Thank you for joining us here at Brave Church. We hope our teaching inspires you. For more information about gathering times, events, and other resources, visit brave.church. Here's this week's talk. Happy Mother's Day. Where are the moms? In fact, why don't you stand up? Come on, stand up. I know it might be tiring. Stand up. Come on, let's give them a big round of applause. Awesome. Yay, moms. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if there was a mom around you that stood up, would you just turn to her and say, you look fabulous. Go ahead. You look fabulous. Yes, yes, yes. And you may want to pull out your message notes. It looks just like this. Uh, Yeah, moms need all the encouragement that they can get. But I also had you do that because it was intentional. You know, Mother's Day might be a day that we give roses typically, but sure is a day that we don't know how to stop and take the time to smell them. And so that's because we live in this constant state of stress and busyness. In fact, take a look at this video. See if any of this resonates with you. It started out like a totally normal day. Okay, move objection deadline to the third line after survey. Oh, honey. So, so what are you doing down there? Did you finish your breakfast? Ow. Don't hit your brother. <laughs> Wait, you have to eat something. Here. Okay, five minutes to carpool. Where's my coffee? Mm. You okay, Mom? Oh, I'm fine. Sandwich orders. What do you want? Almond butter and jelly. Daddy. You sure you're okay? I'm fine, sweetie. I am so late. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Oh, I'm so hey, honey. Hmm. You okay? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. You sure? Oh, yeah. Here. Sorry. My favorite. See you guys later. Where are your shoes? Put your shoes back on, please. You know, we'll help your sister. We're going in three minutes. Oh, my God, what am I doing? I forgot to cut off the crust. Voila. Shoes on, potty if you need it. And get your sister. Okay, here. Nobody move. I'm getting a dustpan. Mom! I think you're having a heart attack. Honey, do I look like the type of person who has a heart attack? Oh, how many of you can relate to that? Oh, yeah. Maybe even if you're not a mom, right? We're constantly juggling life, and sometimes life feels like chaos. We've got demands. We've got pressures. We've got expectations from everybody. And then the expectations we put on ourselves make us stressed out, burnt out, worn out. And then we've got technology, right? We're supposed to make our lives easier. What happened? Anybody can get a hold of us anytime, day or night, right? And they expect us to answer back. So living the American dream sometimes, unfortunately, feels more like a nightmare. But I want you to hear an invitation that Jesus offers. Because it's an invitation to live life different. Take a look on your outline and look at this verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight, And this is what it says. I like the message version. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me and get away with me and you will recover your life. Take and you will find a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. So friends, this morning, I want to talk about the promise that Jesus offers in this verse. Because this is an invitation, not just for busy moms, but for all of us. Come to me and you will find rest. Come to me 
You will live freely and lightly. And I know I can't solve all of our busy and stressed problems in one message, but I really believe there are some key things that God has for us when we grab hold of can make a radical difference in our life and a radical difference in the quality of the relationship that God longs to have with us. And it's found in this phrase. Here's the key. Come to me and you will find rest. So what does that look like in our lives, the rest that Jesus offers us? Well, a few years ago, God was teaching me about this word. And uh, I had a season that made me hit a wall. (laughs) Have you ever had one of those? Maybe you're in one right now. I had committed to way too many things. I had a lot of stuff going on at work and at home. I had gotten just in this perpetual motion, and I was completely exhausted, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, all three areas. I was drained. I was tapped out. But the good news was I knew it. You know, sometimes we don't recognize it, but I knew. I thought, oh my goodness, I am so broken. (laughs) You know, I I need some help. And so during this time, God was bringing a word to my mind. It was the word rest. Rest. Rachel, you need a rest. And you know when God tries to get your attention, he does it in themes. And so I kept seeing and hearing this word every place. So I'd you know, hear it in a song, read it in a book. You know, It'd be in a sermon. In fact, I even went into work one day, and they were painting our offices. And I'd come in, and in big capital letters was the word rest written across my wall. And the painter said, yeah, Rachel, this is God. God told me this is what you need. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Brings whole new meaning to handwriting on the wall. You know, it's like, okay, God. You got my attention. And I was coming up on a vacation. I was actually going to get three weeks uh, time away. And I was like, okay, God, like, just keep me going until I can get to that place. And then I will, you know, find out what are you talking about with this rest? And so when I finally got away, the first thing that God showed me about rest was this. You've got to slow down. You must slow down. You must slow your pace and your commitments. They are way too much. No wonder you feel disconnected from me. And Rachel, there's no way you're going to survive at this rate. And he took me to this verse out of Jeremiah, and it says this, slow down, take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? And I'm convinced that many of us, we are living at a pace that God has not intended And you know what happens when we do? We miss meaningful moments. We miss things that feed our soul. And we miss things that bring joy to life. And most important, we miss encounters that are full of the presence of God. I distinctly remember one of those times. It was during my crazy season, and that was the carpool season. That life that you saw with that lady. I mean, I feel like I was going to like, you know, deja vu, reliving, anybody, you know. That was my craziest season. And I'll tell you what the difficult part of that season is. However you leave the house in the morning, when you come back at the end of the day, that's exactly what it looks like, right? Nobody comes and like cleans it up behind you. So this one particular day, I came home with the three boys and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get, you know, these getting uh, started on their homework, pull something out, you know, out of the refrigerator for dinner. And in the front room, I just wanted to do a little cleanup because it was chaos. I had had a women's Bible study in my house the night before. It's something, uh, kind of the love of my life. I love to take women through the Bible that have never studied the Bible before. We do the book of John. I take a different group through every year. And every year I would go, okay, I'm so not going to do that next year. It's like too much. But my husband would come along and say, but Rachel, 
I think this is one of the purposes God has for you. And it actually is enjoyable for you. He goes, the boys and I are going to help. We'll always help getting the house clean. It's like, yeah, right. But they did. They did. It was like a family affair. But one of the bribes was this, whatever treats came through the door, you know, my three boys got the cookie or the brownie or whatever. So there's a little vested interest. But anyway, so here was this chaos. And I'm like, okay, if I can just clean this room, I can get more control in my life. You know, you ever feel like that? So anyway, I start cleaning up. And so my youngest son, Parker, comes up to me and he said, mommy, he goes, I want you to read to me. I'm like, oh, well, that's not going to happen now. I was like, oh, you know what, honey? Honey, I'll read to you later. You know, mommy's busy. I got to clean up, start dinner. Second time. But mommy, I want you to read to me now. And I said, I'll tell you what, Parker, how about later on tonight when I put you to bed, just you and me time, mommy time, I'll read as much as you want. Third time. But mommy, I want you to read to me now. So that's when God got my attention. I was like, okay, what do you want me to read to you? At least I paused for a few months. What do you want me to read? And he goes, I want you to read to me out of the Bible, out of the book of John. It's like, okay, now God really got my attention. Because see, I'm looking around at chaos, right? That's what I'm seeing. But in my son's simple mind, this was a memory of something meaningful that was happening in our home. And he was actually a part of it. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So I plopped down on the rug, opened my Bible, came to the book of John. And I thought, well, what am I going to read? And I thought, Oh, I know. Best boy story in John is when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, right? He's been dead for three days. Jesus calls him out and he's like a mummy all wrapped up and they got to unwrap him. I thought, well, that's a perfect boy story, you know? So I'm reading through this story and then I get to this verse. It's really the pivotal verse of the story. And look what Jesus declares. He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So immediately I turned to my son. I recognized the moment and I said, Parker, do you know what you need to do in order to go to heaven? And he said, well, yes, mommy. All you got to do is believe in Jesus. Just believe. And I said, okay. I go, would you like to pray with mommy now and ask Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your heart so you can go to heaven? And he looked at me and he goes, well, I already did that when I was three. I don't need to do that again. And he stood up and he ran out and he goes, oh, I'm going to go play now. And there he, there he went. And I was like, oh, you know. But, you know, I, as I laid there, I thought, okay, I need to just sit in this for a moment because I almost let cooking and cleaning and busyness rob me of an encounter with God and rob me of an encounter that God wanted to have with my son. You know, it's really cool, 20 years later, That little boy is now on staff at the youth uh, ministry down at Mariner's Church in Southern California. And we had a lot more encounters like that. But friends, God wants to enter the rhythm of our world. Did you know that? And we must walk with him and not constantly be running ahead of him. We need to be listening to the Spirit's leading. He brings people across our path every single day. We are so way too preoccupied with our task and our stuff we have to do and our technology. I mean, you go to a uh, restaurant and you sit in the lobby and you look around. What are a lot of people doing? They're on their phones. It's like you can't even believe it. Here they are, ready for relationship, and instead they're so preoccupied by other things. But anyway, that's a whole other issue. But let's look at what John Ortberg says here. He says, I was part of a survey that asked thousands of people what kept them from knowing and loving God better. And the number one answer, I'm too busy. Isn't it ironic that the early followers of Jesus could not be stopped by persecution, poverty, prison, or martyrdom, but we're stunted by something trivial is too much to do. So how do we rest? It begins by slowing down. And when we do, number two, 
we need to look up. Look up. What does Jesus say? Come to me and I will give you rest. Look up to me. Put your focus on me. And that means we have intentional time that we spend, not just on Sundays, but midweek, where we read his word and we spend time in prayer. You want to hear from God? The most consistent way is to open his word. That is his love letter to us. And he speaks to us. But we have to have that carved out, quiet, intentional time to look up to him. And when we do, you know what happens? He gives us strength for all the things that we need to accomplish during the day. And he gives us even joy and peace and his presence in the midst of our crazy and our difficult things. And that's how he's going to give rest to our souls. Um, my, one of my sons came home from camp and had learned how to juggle. So he bought the juggling balls and came home and he, and he wanted to teach me. He goes, here, mom, I'm going to let you have a try. So I'm trying to juggle these balls and, you know, and they're falling on the ground. I'm trying to keep my eye on the ball, literally. And finally, my son goes, wait a minute, mom, let me show you the secret. He goes, if you want to learn how to juggle, he goes, you can't put your eye on the ball. You actually have to look up. And when you're looking up, then you pass the balls through and then you're juggling. (laughs) You know, friends, that's what God says. I want you to look up to me. Because when we look up, guess what he does? He shows us how to prioritize. He says, yeah, this is important. But that, eh, let go of that. Don't be worried about that. Don't be concerned. Don't do that. Here's what I have for you. When we take our time to look up and focus on God, he will show us what rest looks like in the midst of our life. Uh, a book I highly recommend by uh, Sarah Young is called Jesus Calling. Maybe you have it. It's a devotional. My husband and I actually do it in the morning. Uh, we've been doing it for several years in the morning as a devotional. We kind of use it as a little, um, just a calendar where every year we come and see what God has done in answers to prayer. And it's very simple. But this is one of the phrases that she says in there. She says, come to me for rest and refreshment. Slow down and cling tightly to my hand. I guarantee that you will always have problems in this life, but they must not become your focus. When you feel yourself sinking in the sea of circumstances, say, help me, Jesus, and I will draw you back to myself. If you have to say that a thousand times daily, don't be discouraged because I know your weakness and I will meet you in that very place. Can you see the invitation of rest here? So friends, first of all, we got to slow down. Two, we got to look up. And then three, there's a third one I want you to add. So back to this vacation that God took me on where he was beginning to show me, okay, you need rest. So I spent time doing these things, okay? I was slowing down. I was looking up. I actually had some great quiet times. Uh, We always go to the beach in Southern California. I am convinced God actually lives at the beach. You know, he's there waiting for me all the time. And it's super easy to get in the zone, right? And it's beautiful. And it was a long vacation. And I did. I felt rest. I just, I felt good, you know? I felt physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so when I came back from vacation, guess what came back with me? My stress level, right? (laughs) I came back into the circle and the things of life, and all of a sudden, boom, all this stress came, and I was plagued with worry and anger and panic, and I was going to God and saying, hey, what happened? I did what you said. I slowed down. I looked up to you. It's like, what is this? Where is all this stress coming from? This is what God showed me. As the burdens of life kept piling on again, worry and fear began consuming me, and then that gentle whisper came. 
The one I have come to recognize is the Spirit of God. Rachel, you see, the rest I have in mind for you isn't about a three-week vacation. Yeah, that was good. You needed that. And I want you to slow down. I want you to look up. Those are external habits in your life that you need to keep going. But your problem is also an internal one. All of your worry, all of your fear, frustration, and panic, it's stealing the rest I want to give you. And it's trust you need, Rachel. You need to trust me. And so I knew, oh, this isn't about a three-week vacation. This actually is about a new way of life that God wants for me. Now, see, I said I trust him, right? Hello, I'm on staff at a church, right? I tell people, oh, trust God, right? So, of course, I say trust. But you know what happened? My worry and my fear and my burdens showed I really didn't. And so I want to take you to a verse. Actually, number three is we need to trust more, trust more. And I want to take you to this verse. Uh, If you don't have it memorized, classic Sunday school verse, you would do well too. And this is what it says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with, what's that word? All. Circle the word all. You know what all means? It means every nook and cranny, every place that is in your heart. Anytime that fear comes, it's back to the all. Every place of my heart. And then it says, do not depend on your own understanding. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a big processor. What about this? What about that? And how about this? How about that? You know what that does? I'm only calculating on my perspective. And that's why he says, okay, don't depend on that. That's okay that you think things through, but don't depend on it. And then he says, seek his will in all you do, and then he'll show you the path. You see, friends, the difficulties and challenges that come our way are actually opportunities for a deeper relationship with God. Because as we learn to trust him, guess what happens? Our heart depends on him. Our love for him grows. That's what a relationship is about. And he says, every single challenge that comes, trust is the key. Trust in me. There's a book by Brennan Manning called Ruthless Trust, if you uh, want to delve a little deeper. And in there, he tells this story. There was a man that came to see Mother Teresa, wanted to live there for three months because he wanted to figure out what to do with the rest of his life. So he showed up and Mother Teresa said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, well, I'd like you to pray for me. And she says, okay, I'll pray for you. What do you want me to pray for? He said, well, I'd like you to pray for clarity because I want to know, you know, what to do with my life. And she looked at him and she said, I'm not going to pray for clarity. Clarity is the last thing you need because you're depending on that. And he goes, but wait a minute. I look at your life and I see you've always had clarity. And Mother Teresa said this, no, I have never had clarity. What I have had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. (laughs) Do you ever think about that, friends? When difficulties and challenges come our way, God immediately says, here I am. Trust me. That is my invitation to you. Trust with all our heart. You know what trust does? It puts the focus on God instead of me. <laughs> puts the focus on God and his resources instead of mine, which are so teeny and meager, right? How much more him and the riches that he has to offer us. And trust is not something that comes naturally. So don't beat yourself up. Because you see, we learned, uh, we have to unlearn how to do it ourselves. Think of a two-year-old. What do they say? No. And then what's their next right? I'll do it myself, right? So we have to unlearn that. And God knows that. And so he says, come to me and trust me. Now, trust is especially hard if we have something painful or hurtful in our lives. What pain does, 
oftentimes the enemy wants to use it to push God away because we compartmentalize. It's like, oh, I don't know if I can trust God, right? Like my friend Marcy. So I met Marcy during my stay-at-home mom uh, years, and that was uh, San Jose. My husband and I lived here for seven years in San Jose, and we were starting our family. I had two boys at the time. And so when I moved into uh, this cul-de-sac of 13 homes, this became my mission field. Uh, I I used to be an elementary school teacher, and this is before I uh, ended up coming on staff at Bayside. And so um, here it was, and it was like, okay, God, I want to reach the world for you. And so it was this little cul-de-sac of 13 homes. I began building relationships and praying for the families and making friends with uh, the women in my neighborhood. And so I met Marcy. She had one little boy. She had become a stay-at-home mom, and we became very good friends. I had two. She had one at the time. And so I was praying for her, praying for an opportunity. And every time I would try to bring up the subject of God, it was like a wall. Marcy was not going to go there. And so it's like, okay, not, not the right time. So we became friends, and about two years later, Marcy and I were pretty close. So we were at the playground one day with our three boys, and I thought, okay, I'm going to take a risk. We're good enough friends now, I can take a risk. And so um, I asked Marcy, I said, hey, do you mind if I ask you a question? She goes, no, go ahead. I said, how come every time I try to bring up the subject of God, it falls flat? It doesn't go anywhere. I said, what is it that's holding you back from God? immediately tears filled her eyes, started rolling down her cheeks. And she said, well, I am so angry at God. And I'm also so full of guilt. She said, before Matthew was born, I had another child. I had a little girl and her name was Sarah. And when she was born, she was perfect and she was beautiful in every way. But Sarah died on the delivery table. And she goes, I am so angry at God. Why would he do that? But then I'm also so full of guilt because I realized that if, if Sarah had not died, I never would have gotten pregnant just two months later and Matthew wouldn't be here. And she was, and Matthew is the love of my life. I can't even imagine living without him. So I have intense anger, but also guilt. And when she said this short story, I, I was literally in shock. I was like, I have no reference point for that level of pain. But you know, friends, sometimes we don't come back with the pat answers. We just love people. And so I put my arm around her as she's, you know, having tears. And I just said, Marcy, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. And we just, we just sat quietly. And then I said, you know, Marcy, I said, I don't know why that happened. But I do know this. God wants to take your pain away if you will let him. And then all of a sudden, it was like this little light switch went on. And our three boys realized we were having a significant mommy moment. You know what that is. If you get on the phone or you start whispering, you know, you can yell at them and say, come in here and it doesn't work. But if you start whispering on the phone, what happens, right? They all come around, right? And that's what happened. So here we were, she was crying. The boys were, you know, crawling on us. You know, I realized, okay, you know, they were whining time. They want to go home and everything. And I thought, okay, like our significant moment is like totally gone. So I said, I'll tell you what, Marcy. I said, um, later today when our husbands come home, I said, you know, I'll come back over and we can finish the conversation. And she just sat there. She was totally oblivious to this chaos. I mean, she was still totally in in the zone. And so I just looked at her. I said, well, is that something you want to do right now? Do you actually want to pray and ask Jesus into your heart right now? And she shook her head up and down. And I said, do you want to like pray after me? And she shook her head up and down. And then I panicked. Because I thought, oh my goodness, I don't have that little booklet with that prayer in the back, you know? It's like, oh, it's on the shelf at home. I didn't prepare. But you know what, friends? It's not the magic of our words, is it? It's the intent of our heart. 
And so I prayed a simple prayer, just a simple prayer of, please, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, um, and please help me live for you and take this pain away. It was just something simple. And you know what? That became the turning point where Marcy, instead of having her wall up, she let them down and let God in, and she learned and began to trust him. And so, uh, friends, I don't know. I don't know what's holding you back. I don't know what's holding you back from trusting God, but I do know our only hope. It's in him. In fact, take a look at this verse out of Psalms. It says this, find rest, O my soul, in God alone, because my hope comes from him. Trust in him at all times, O people, and pour out your heart to him, because God is our refuge. Um, Well, after this three-week vacation that I was telling you about, I had an odd thing happen. I had a little bit of my own pain come in my life. It wasn't to me personally, but it was to my friends. I had this really odd thing happen. So here I come back. God showed me I needed rest. I was coming back in the routine of things, and I had eight close friends lose loved ones in two months. I was going to funeral after funeral. I had one, uh, two funerals in one week. My girlfriend's father and sister passed away in the same week. Can you believe that? And it was just such an odd season, but God had something for me in it because it was very interesting. You know, when there's reflection time at funerals where people stand up and they, and they say things about the person or they say something. It was very interesting because it all boiled down to two things, reflection time. The first was all about relationship, where they would talk about the relationship they had with the person. And they would talk about meaningful moments and, and memories of fun and laughter. And then it was about the relationship that this person had with God where they were now, and that they were going to get to see them again for eternity. And it wasn't spent talking about cleaning our house if my emails are answered, you know, all that stuff we get so preoccupied with. It wasn't about that. And what God was reminding me of was all the things we strive, all the things we clamor after. Do you know only two things last for eternity? Our relationships with people and our relationship with God. Those things are worth investing our time in. How many of you like lists? Who likes a list? Come on, you're a to-do list person. All right. Now, how many of you, now watch this, this is true. How many of you, you may do something that's not on your list, but you go and put it on your list so that you can cross it off. Yes, this man right here, recovering. You need to be recovering. There he is right there. I guess, Darren, if you want something done in the church, go to him because he's got a list right there. So the Old Testament is full of lists and rules and lengthy laws of clean this, do that, sacrifice this. I don't know how they ever lived a balanced life. So, But uh, the, the religious leaders come to Jesus and they ask him a question. Out of all the list of rules and laws and commandments, what is the greatest commandment? And what does Jesus answer? He boils it all down to two simple things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Every fiber of your being, love him and love others. In other words, take time to focus on God. Tell him your needs. Tell him your burdens. And then let his love shine in your heart. And take time to focus on others, to care for them, to love them, and to let them love you. And some of you here today, that's what you need to hear You know, we have our pride up so much. It's like, no, no, no. And it's like, no, God says, let others love you too. Those two things radically change the quality of our life. You know, a basketball in my hands is worth about $19. 
But a basketball in Steph Curry's hands is worth a millions, right? A football in my hand is an embarrassment, even with all these boys in my family. But a uh, football in Derek Carr's hands wins championships. Yes, coming, coming. Because it really depends on whose hands it's in. A rod in my hands will keep a wild animal away. But a rod in Moses' hands actually could part the mighty sea because it depends on whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is a kid's toy. But a slingshot in David's hands is a mighty weapon. Two fish, five loaves of bread in my hands is maybe a fish sandwich. But two fish, five loaves of bread in Jesus' hands did what? It fed thousands of people because it depends on whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands might produce a birdhouse, but nails in Jesus' hands produce salvation for the entire world because it depends on whose hands it's in. So friends, this morning, rest your cares, your concerns, and even your calendar in the loving hands of Jesus because it depends on whose hands it's in. And when we do, life is lived radically different. I want to close just with one more story. Uh, You know, I wonder if there's maybe somebody here where you are at the season where you're at the hit the wall or you can see it coming and you're completely exhausted. And I just want to close with this last story, especially with you in mind. Um, So back to this season, I was telling you about where I was exhausted. And one of the things that was really depleting me actually was a list. It was my to-do list. Each one of the things on my to-do list represented something significant and that I had to do that was draining me. And I remember looking at this list going, oh my goodness, how come at the end of the day, it's actually longer, right? I'm crossing off a couple, but more things are adding on. And I just totally felt buried. No light at the end of the tunnel. And I really felt very disconnected from God at this time. And uh, I remember one day I was sitting at my computer and an email reminder came through of a woman that had come to our church offices to be prayed for. Uh, One of the wonderful privileges that we have is uh, being able to come and pray with someone in need, and they can make an appointment and come in. We lay hands and uh, anoint them with oil. And so this uh, email reminder came through, and I looked at it, and I just burst into tears. I started crying. I was like, are you kidding? I cannot put one more thing on my list. I mean, I can't even get all to this. How in the world am I going to have time for that? And I thought, well, I'm going to pass just this once. I didn't know her. And I thought, the room will be filled with others. I'll let them pray for him, for her. And right away, I heard this little whisper. And it was, Rachel, what is more important on your list than going and spending time in prayer for someone in need? So basically, God did the guilt trip. You know, <laughs> he did. So I showed up. I came and I showed up in the room. I went physically, but my mind and my heart were definitely not there. And when I got there, this woman, her name was Cindy. She began telling us of her need. She had two small children. Uh, They found a lump in her breast. They thought it was cancer, and she was in need of prayer. And so right when we were going to get to the prayer time, she jumped into another part to her story. She, uh, you know, was talking this elaborate story about this dove. She had seen a dove on the roof of her neighbors. She had seen it on her car. She had seen it in the driveway. Uh, She had seen it when she was going to her doctor's appointments. And over and over again, she felt like God was saying, "Uh, Cindy, I want you to trust me. And it was bringing peace to her heart. But she went on and on with this story. And the whole time she's unrolling this story, I'm sitting here thinking, come on, let's get to the part where we're supposed to pray for you, right? 
I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, hello, let's do what we need to do. And I got to get back to my list that's waiting for me. And then when she was finally finished, we all came around her, put our hands on her to pray for her. And I didn't engage in prayer, but the others did. But so I had my hand on her knee. And in a couple of moments, as the room was praying, all of a sudden, this woman that I had never met before reached out and she started stroking my arm. And right away, it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, now I have to tell you, I like a hug, but I'm not like overly touchy feely. I think raising three boys, you know, maybe that's what it's done to me. So it was kind of like odd to me, right? And I'm also thinking, ooh, this is like not about me. This is about her. But she just kept rubbing my arm, just, and I'd never met her before. And then all of a sudden, I heard that little whisper. And the little whisper was, Rachel, I want you to settle down and be here in this room. I want you to think about that list because if I can fix this woman's problem and heal her, don't you think I can take care of that list? And you're going to miss me here in this room. Don't worry. Trust me. Settle down and be here in this moment. And so I kind of gave myself permission. And you know what? This woman's touch became just the soothing presence of God for me. Well, the next morning, I got up really early, set my alarm. I thought, oh my goodness, I got to go back and say, God, what was that about? So I went out on my balcony. It was about six o'clock in the morning, opened my Bible. I sat there and I said, okay, what do you have to tell me? What is it? And this is the honest truth. At that very moment, a dove, I'm saying at 6 a.m. in the morning, came and landed right at my feet. Now, my husband says it was a pigeon, but I, (laughs) I know it was a dove. I mean, what doves are up at 6 in the morning? I don't know. But there it was. And you know what I heard again? It was really just the same thing. It was just the Spirit of God saying, Rachel, take a look at your list. You know, you can trust me. If I can fix someone's cancer, I can fix your list. You need to stop worrying about it, and you need to bring it to me. Because it's, you know, worrying is keeping you back from me. And you know what? I don't remember a single thing on that list. I can't even remember if I accomplished it all. Who knows? But I will never forget the encounter and the presence of God in my life and that he loves me. And so, friends, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know if it's a long, overwhelming list. I don't know if it is um, maybe cancer you're facing, like my friend Cindy. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a lack of a job. I don't know. A broken relationship. I don't know what your need is. Or maybe you're even like my friend Marcy, where you have got at arm's distance. Maybe Mother's Day isn't a happy Mother's Day. Maybe there's a memory of a loss in your life or even loss of a dream of something you wanted to be. And I just want you to know this morning that God sees, he cares, and he loves you. And his invitation is for all of us, friends. Listen again. Come to me, Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Slow down, look up, and trust him more. Well, I want to close with a prayer. Um, and maybe you're here this morning And uh, you have never prayed to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Uh, Maybe you are like Marcy, where something in your life has kept God at arm's distance, where you have not been able to trust him. Um, You haven't taken up his invitation to be part of God's family. So today, I just want to say it can be your turning point for spiritual rest. You know why it's rest? 
Because becoming a Christian isn't about doing anything. It's all that God has done for us by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. In fact, that actually is what this passage is talking about, what Jesus is addressing. You see, the religious leaders put burdens on the people saying, oh, you have to do this and this and this and this. And that was never the intent of the law. The intent of the Old Testament law was to show people their need for a savior, not meant of the expectations to be good enough. We never can be good enough because Christ has done it all for us. So it's about receiving the free invitation that he gives to us. And he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know why it is? Because he does all the work, friends. (laughs) He does all the work. And not only did he die for us, what happened three days later? He came alive. Our hope is in the fact that we serve a risen Savior, not a dead one that just died. He conquered death. And so, friends, when we invite him in, he gives life to our soul here and now and then for eternity. And in eternity, I actually get a new body to go with it. I'm so excited. I don't know about you. It's what happens when you hit over the 50 mark, you know? So you start looking forward to it. Um, Listen to this. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is a free gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. That's our promise. And in my son's simple words, hey, you just got to believe in Jesus. And if a five-year-old can understand it, surely we can. So I'd like to pray a simple prayer. And if you want to invite Christ into your life, become part of God's family, receive his salvation and the promise of eternal life, I just want you to just pray quietly after me. So would you all bow your heads, close your eyes, and uh, you can just pray quietly in your heart after me. Dear Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you have made a way for me to have a relationship with you now and for eternity. I receive your free gift of salvation and new life. Help me to live my life in a way that honors you. And with all your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm not going to call you out, embarrass you or anything, but I would just love the honor of praying for you. So would you just slip your hand up so I can see if you prayed that hand? Yes, 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 I see. Over to the side, in the front, yes. Anyone in the back? Yes, yes, I see you. Welcome to God's family. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for those that have said yes to you. They didn't say yes to me. It was to you. Entering into a relationship with you, receiving your free gift of salvation. Father, I just pray that you would come and make your presence known, that you would give them light to walk each day to draw closer and closer with you, Father. And just remind them daily how much you love them. And Father, I pray for all of us here today to hear the message of your word, the invitation that we can rest in you, that you love us, that you care for us, and that you have a purpose each and every day with our lives, Father. So we love you in your son's precious name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, everyone.